0: Welcome to the Die Living Podcast. Today, we're going to have Johnny Petticord of the Kinetic Syndicate coming on, and we're going to talk about uh, the voice that he's using in addressing uh, the veteran community, kind of trying to steer guys into a more productive path for transition. I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, He didn't get the, the name Angry Johnny for nothing. Broadcasting from everywhere
1: and nowhere. The Misfit Crew at South Fleet HQ. Is proud to bring you the Die Living Podcast.
0: All right, man. So I guess it's worth noting that, um, recently I was approached by a moderately, um, so I, I guess I should say this to start. Like, uh, So I had, I had an aha moment about the kind of things that you've been doing lately because uh, you've been taking a really big like, kind of you're, – you're the point man on the anti-brovet movement right now.
2: Let me clarify something. It's not necessarily <laughs> the brovets. Like, I, I think that's gotten lost in the mire. I hate
0: brovets, so you it's can not, just go ahead that, and
2: <laughs> do what.
0: I hate brovets, so like you can you can say oh, I,
2: it. I, I, I despise the culture itself, but it's not about what I find tasteful and untasteful or what appeals to me or anybody else. It's it's I, I think, and that we at Syndicate think that brovets are indicative of a, of a larger problem. It's not brovets quay brovets. It's brovets because they there's there's other problems that are underlying the brovet culture.
0: Dude, I so t- let's just for sure. let's, let's clear the air with that, because yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I've already gotten like so, DMs t- like you don't like brovets. I'm like, well yeah, I don't like brovets, nobody does. But <laughs> at the at the same time, let's also look at it
0: potato, uh, at a, through a different lens. No, did you, I'm with you, man. I actually think it's funny because um, nothing got my dick harder for a period of time than all of the like funny, like increasingly anti douche memes. Like, I mean, I'm kind of a douche. Don't get me wrong. Like, sure, I, shamesies. like I like I like uh, lifting weights and posting selfies of me with no shirt on. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the company of loose women, and I have been known to imbibe a few strong spirits and say things that I regret yes. after that. Um and not
2: apologize for them either.
0: No, I mean that, women women apologize. That's uh <laughs> cute. The first sexist thing I'll say on this podcast, not the last. <laughs> yeah,
2: I was going to say.
0: Yeah. So, um all of this to be said, uh the overwhelming identity that goes along with bad behavior has been really hard for me to come to grips with over the last few years, right? This like the idea that to be a veteran, you have to like take pride in being a really shitty person. Right. And so, like you guys, like what you've been talking about a lot lately, I've been putting out a lot of like kind of castigatory like 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 scolding blog posts and talking about the fact that like we are the people who should be responsible. Well, I I sent a initial treatment for a piece to a, a large publication a, nat- a national publication. Sure. And the editor got back at me. I was like, first of all, you're supposed to write 1200 words. And I think that like the scope of what you want to write about is a little large for 1200 words. I'm like, I don't know. I can fit a lot into 1200 words. <clears throat> she is correct. Uh, 1200 words is not very much space to fill. Um, secondly, her big criticism was that I had touched on a lot of subjects. Like I was drawing parallels between the opioid epidemic and um, veteran behaviors, post combat and like an addiction to, um, dopamine kind of like a a similar response. And, uh, she was like, you know, you need to cut all these themes out because there's an overwhelming negative characterization of veteran stereotypes that's building and we don't want to waste any time with that. And I was like, you think that there's a lot of talk about that? And she was like, yes. And I was like, wow. I did not. I did not know that because I felt like we were the only people talking about it. Right? Sure. Sure. Yeah,
2: man. Uh, it's something I noticed when I was over at OAF Nation. I, I, I we would get these. We would just be inundated with these the, the DMs and the and the and the messages from like bro vets just just. It was, it was unreal. And I finally was able to kind of take a bird's eye view and look at it, as much as you can on social media and take a look at it. And I'm like, what? This is fucked.
0: Character- and then it characterize really kind of came teams. around. I was
2: talking to a friend of mine. She's, she was uh, corporate HR for a very, very large retail chain here in the United States. And she was TG telling Maxx? me that um, veteran resumes and veteran applications are encouraged, unspoken, to go to the bottom. And when I, I, you know, at the time my multicam hat flew off and I'm losing my fucking mind and I'm like, (laughs) this is bullshit. What the fuck? Are you unpatriotic, bunch of communist sons of bitches? And she said, listen, like there's a, there's a cohort of veterans that uh, are trying to come off as these dysfunctional, broken, ticking time bombs. And they're like, my employer is not going to, they're a liability because they're going to pop off on their coworker. They're going to pop off on a customer more so than the typical you know, um, retail associate. And they're like, we're not willing to take that chance. And at the time I was fucking, I was, you know, this is 10 years ago. I was angry and bitter and I'm like, fuck you and fuck them. And, uh, then I kind of started taking a look back and I kind of I kind of see it. I, I was there. I've been there. I've, I've done the brovet thing. I had the infidel shirt. I was. I liked that you know your
0: reaction to like the reasons why they set the resume to the bottom of the pile is the reason. Pop off. is the reason why? Yeah. Yeah. God yeah. damn it. Yeah, yeah. I think she would do. Is this what a douchebag would do?
2: Yeah, fuck yeah. you, bitch. exactly. And throwing mojitos across the room and yeah. shit. So yeah.
1: Well, so I, uh, for the uninitiated, what would you call? What, what is the definition of a brovet?
2: Oh man, dude. Um, these this self entitled um these self entitled veterans that may or may not have had a lackluster career and, and feel like that they need to throw that in everybody's face. Like that that is okay, so the the best way I can explain it is we, we equate it to this Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite, right? Or Al Bundy. These people that have not extended their identity past their military identity.
0: Al Bundy through for five touchdowns in he one sure game in it. high school, he sure, Polk High School. He sure as fuck
2: did. Almost made state, man. And now, now you got the the, the same concept, the same lack of desire to go, get past that. They, they 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 believe, you know, I, I peaked in the military. Which so I feel like is sad.
0: It's well, so I think it's kind of nuanced at that point, right? And actually, the the conversation with the editor for that publication not to be named um made me very like it made me take a step back and be more like introspective about it in the sense that like so for better or worse i think that people in combat arms jobs think that the definition of their usefulness while in the military was if they saw combat or not Sure. So, like guys who didn't see combat feel like they have something to prove because they didn't see the elephant. Guys who did see combat feel like that defines them above anything else, and that their you know, their worth is better than someone who didn't see combat. But sure. I, I think that all of these things are um, they're compensatory devices, right? Like in the end, yeah. we all served, but I think we have lost the view of what service actually is. Well, because Absolutely. the military
1: the military itself has lost the view of what service is. Like, first off, like the entire military, at least in the army, is based around pieces of flair. You know, as far as like being able to walk by somebody like oh look at their all the stuff they've got on their chest or the tabs they've got on their arms or like the combat patch they've got over there the cib like that's the first way that you rate people that you see other than like the way they how physically fit they are you know that's sure. like the, that's the 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 10 meter judgment and people have trouble moving past that because once they get out of the military they have to strip all that off and so instead of being able, and then to they sh- have nothing. Well, well instead of being able to to, to to tell somebody at ten paces what they've done and what they're about, they have to get now, to now they have, now that well now they just tell them right with their mouths. <laughs> they're <laughs> like, yeah. oh hey, by the way, Did you I know? was in the military. Did you know as a veteran? And so they, instead of wearing a CIB on their shirt or a combat action badge and a. Ranger tab on their sh- on their sleeve. Now they wear uh, some ridiculously antagonistic shirt <laughs> about like you know you weren't there, blah blah blah, or like I'm a sheepdog
0: or three percent or no, blah, blah, blah. don't have to right, be in the military right. to be a sheepdog, Brian.
2: And our, our 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 entire mentality against that is the fact that 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 mentality itself. Causes a stunting of personal growth, right like everybody's talking about how there 's this great divide between the civilian sector and the military sector and the veteran sector and uh, mobs Megan mobs, who's on my on my, my crew calls that 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 divide a chasm at this point like it 's just grown even bigger and i I contend that that it, that comes from like you were saying I, 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 you need to interact with with society and that, that those interactions aren 't always positive or, or um, Productive, and I think that when you, because I, I know I had the attitude, and this is anecdotal at best, but like fuck society. Like, why would I want to get into society? Like, they're a bunch of lazy, uncaring, apathetic. They didn't do anything. They're they're just S- scum. says
0: says the dude who's on subsidized healthcare. And sure. <laughs> sure, yeah,
2: driving government roads and getting a job in the civilian sector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. That's exactly where I was. And I think that that, that divide, that civilian military divide, leads to the loneliness and isolation that I've been reading about from and this is the whole reason I started Kinetic Syndicate, was because I read two articles back to back and they were essentially they were written by two completely different people on two completely different publications and they were the exact same fucking narrative. And it was I got out of the military, I don't know what to fucking do with myself, you got depressed, I'm lonely. Um, but it's just know,
0: easy. the thing is, like, remember we talk about like how self, like self analysis is the most important part. Sure. Like, the military was a band aid for all those feelings that existed while they're in the military. Most of, most people who get out of the military before twenty years get out because they didn't feel fulfilled in the military either. They just yeah. had a lot of other people they were around that gave them a sense of purpose. They had a mission. So even if they weren't very good at fulfilling the mission, the mission was still there, you know, like, I mean, the government, the military is not very efficient in, in completing missions. Well, and on top of that, and
2: that's, that's the thing too, is, is the the military is very good at creating this identity, this new identity for you. You know, exactly like, you know, uh, something that gets tossed around is we get, we get told, People our age are like, who are we? Where do we fit in in the world? What are we supposed to do with our lives? The military gives you concrete a- answers to those questions. And then they, when you get out, you no longer have that to hold on to. Well, and as, I would, I would say ahead.
1: the identity of the military has even become, like there's been a lot of questions about the validity of the two conflicts that we've been in, right, over the sure. last like 18 years, I guess, or 17 years. And so people started to question, like, you know, they came in and they at the beginning right right after 2001. It's like, hey, man, we're fighting terrorists and we're doing good work and we're we're defending the country, you know, and then like 2013 rolls around. You're like, what the fuck are we still doing here? My buddies are dying like for what? And so the military's response to that instead of like changing strategy was to double down on like the you know what you are like,
0: you're a hero. You're a hero. You're a yeah. hero
1: like you know th- this is you're a freedom fighter you're fighting for freedom you know instead of like it was like a propaganda campaign within the military to keep people's morale up and then sure and that propaganda campaign was so so deep seated that when they get out like they're they don't know which way is up man it's like I was a hero sure. they, they was told I was a hero. Well, Treat me like yeah, a and hero. You get
2: out, and, you, and you're a student, and you're getting yelled at by some like some college professor for not turning in your work. Or that's whatever. younger than you. And like I said, that, yeah, that's younger than you. And you get this, like, you get this civilian military or civilian veteran divide. And I I contend that 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 there's a, there's so many different reasons why that divide exists. But regardless of the reason that that divide, I think causes this loneliness and isolation, which lead to, which leads to like mental health issues, social issues, employment issues. Um, and I, I think that. Me personally, I'm all, I think that and I, in my maturity or, or in my advanced age, I think that I started to become, like Doug was saying, more introspective. And I think that we need to start cleaning it up in our own backyard before we start pointing fingers at society. Well, I
0: think that yeah. it's worth asking if the divide actually... So, well, there it's a two-phase thing, right? A, does the divide really exist? And B, if there is a quote-unquote divide, did we create it? Because in my estimation... Uh, my exposure and this is this is anecdotal but i feel like that collectively as a nation uh, americans have a lot of like post vietnam guilt still and the way that we treat soldiers like even though we disagree with a series of unjust wars we do not feel as though the soldiers fighting those wars should be penalized for their role in the wars right yeah there's like a moral segregation between the soldier and the fight
2: I completely agree with that, but I also think that that mentality, um, you also have that the, the society looking at us with that guilt. like I, You're absolutely on track. You're absolutely right. But I think with that guilt, you also have a uh, society looking at us like we're broken puppies. You know what uh, I mean? Like, oh, so I, I don't want don't, to... I, don't, I, don't, wanna, you I know, don't think there's a correlation. Are you okay to watch this movie? Are you okay to... you know? Or Fireworks it goes the, the other direction. It's like, oh my God, this guy is the <laughs> exemplar of moral virtue. This guy can do no wrong. And when you go out and do something fucking stupid... It's it's even worse because you are a veteran.
0: Uh, I don't know if it's worse. Like guys, my general. So I guess my thing is vets bring it on themselves in a lot of ways because sure. because within the military, um, from I mean, from almost any perspective, the consequences of doing wrong in the military are mitigated at a very local level. Um, even like legal consequences, like before they really started cracking down on guys getting DUIs, like getting a DUI in the military didn't end your job. You just sure. had to park your car outside the gate, and then one of the guys from your unit was obligated to drive out there and pick you <laughs> up and then take you to your like six months of police call duty, and you didn't drive. But I mean, you could be a fucking E6 in the army and not have a fucking driver's license and still do your job. You know what I mean? Like I live on on post right. housing. I ride my bike to work. I never got a driver's license because I joined at 17 and I just, you know, I came from a bad family. It's not a, it, it, the military doesn't require that people function as full grown adults in a lot of capacities that like oh. the oh, civilian yeah. world does.
2: Sure. Right? And again, I think that's a, a larger problem. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. I think that The larger problem, like what what we at Connect Syndicate, regardless of brovets and Captain America complex and these victim narratives and what have you, we're all about transition, right? Like you had you guys had published a piece not too long ago is on on time and sober why you're failing at your transition and you guys hit a lot of really really good points. Doug hit a lot of points. Did you write that or did Steve
0: write that? I wrote it.
2: Well, it was very good. Thank you. Good, great job. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm,
0: I'm proud
1: of
2: you. Um, but no, it was, it was really, really fucking good. And it's, it was really, really uh, pertinent uh, into what we're trying to do. And our entire shtick, I guess, if you want to call it, is transition. To make sure that veterans are moving beyond their military identity and transitioning well into civilian society in a meaningful way. And I think that we're not, I mean, like, if you look at the latest statistics that came out about veterans using their GI Bill, the GWAT veterans using their GI Bill, it's only 52%. So I'm curious as to what the other 48% are
0: doing. I would like to see, um, so Brian and I were recently just discussing the the devaluation of a bachelor's degree. <laughs> oh. Huh. And, um, you know, <laughs> the, like... Uh, and, and Brian, I don't want to speak for Brian, but Brian's consensus for is that most people who aren't working, or people who are underemployed right now aren't capable of filling the high paying trade jobs that are available. That, okay. they, there is a dearth of people filling high paying trade jobs, but they're not. Those, those empty spaces can't just be automatically filled with the guy who's like flipping your burgers at, sure. you know, Hardee's. Yeah. That being said, like the community college system and the university system are not necessarily geared towards filling those high uh, high profile tra- trade jobs that actually require skill. And that with the kind of with the eclipsing of the apprenticeship journeyman programs that used to be in the United States um, that there's really not a clear cut path to learning those trades either. So they will be taken over by robots and such right Brian.
1: Well, no, I I, I just I mean, I think that there's not like bringing up trades. I think that there's a lot of people. One of the, the one of the tricks the military plays on people is that like you have a specific specialization and you need to stay in your fucking lane. So if you're a mechanic, like you need to worry about nothing but that thing. Oh, well, what about the electronics that are on there? There's a short wire. Can I fix that? No, there's a fucking electronic specialist. That's his job. Do that. And so guys get guys, especially guys that come in at age 18 that have never like worked really in the real world. That's the illusion that they have is that's the way the real world works, right? They, people are looking for hyper specialization and the only thing you can try to get a job in in the outside world is what you learned how to do in the military like exactly guys, when
2: i was transitioning out in 2000 my the first time in 2006 i got sat down by my first sergeant he sat there and told me like what do you think you're going to do like you're a machine gunner what are you going to do Tell me, mm. you tell me, what are you going to do? There's always a like, job for machine sergeant.
0: gunner in Iraq's first yeah, sergeant. <laughs>
2: exactly, exactly. And he, he's like, you're a knuckle-dragger, mouth-breather, blah, blah, blah. You said, you should be out there leading Marines. You shouldn't be, you know, what are you going to do with yourself? And I was like, I'm going to be a firefighter, first sergeant. He's like, oh, okay, good to go. You know, it's it, it's very, you're absolutely right. It, it's this, you pigeonhole yourself in. And I think that a successful transition sometimes may require you to bust out of your comfort zone. Well, it the, certainly did for and me. And the
1: military, the, literally the extent of what the military <laughs> provides for people is hey, we're gonna figure out a way to teach you how to lie on your resume and <laughs> pretend, pretend that these things that you've done in the military have any value in the civilian world because they fucking don't. So we're gonna we're gonna teach you in your ACAP to write this churched up bullshit resume that everybody understands is a churched-up bullshit resume. And we're gonna give you the GI Bill, but we're not gonna in any way, shape, or form point you towards like other employment opportunities, nor are we gonna like try to help you figure out what you're going to be when you grow up. Well, the GI you know, I think the, like
0: I think the GI Bill is kind of I don't man. So the GI Bill is a great thing. I oh, mean, yeah, absolutely. Sure. I I hate when I hear people complaining about great things, right? Like, like, right. I love care. I'm not complaining about the GI no, Bill. No, no, I'm, I'm complaining about to. is it's a, ba- it's a Band-Aid. I'm about to. Okay. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm just prefacing me about to complain about the GI Bill. Yeah,
2: yeah. He, he's he's giving justification to him yeah. bitching about a first-world white people problem. I'm not yeah. racist,
0: but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me throw out a dog whistle for a moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the problem I have with the GI Bill in a lot of ways is that a lot of us who came to the military later in life have already determined what we want to do when we get out of the military and a path to get there. And for a lot of us, that doesn't mean we have to go to college, right? I mean, like uh, I will never use my degrees period like I won't do it. My wife's like, why don't you go do this thing? I'm like because I don't want to do it and I don't Somebody ever want in pottery I, and it, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> history is basically pottery. But, <laughs> um, I don't want to do construction management man. Like that's that's what I studied for my master's degree. I don't want to do that. Um, I don't want to get a classic nine to five. I enjoy working for myself. I like being in an autonomous company like softly where mm-hmm. we function more like a, an ODA than we do like a a linear company. A general
1: collection of rapscallions and ruffians. Yeah, a bunch of scumbags. and, And
0: routinely, you can find me in the office yelling epithets at our COO and then sheepishly apologizing, but not apologizing, you know, like
2: <laughs> I'm sorry you feel that way. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm I mean, sorry the, you got mad that I said that.
0: The point is that like the GI bill, when I look at it from other people's perspectives is like, man, there are a lot of really good educational opportunities out there that the GI bill does not cover and doesn't mm-hmm. adequately support guys that are trying to pursue those as career paths. Like just to, off the top of my head, like uh, pilot's programs. There's a lot of guys that would enjoy becoming commercial pilots, but the way that the pilot licensing process goes in the United States, you have to get a private pilot's license before you get a commercial license and the GI bill doesn't cover private pilots like a private pilot's license because it's not a there's no commodification like you can't actually make money off being a private pilot. So they won't pay for you to get a private license that includes a certain number of flight hours that are prohibitively expensive for, say, Joe Snuffy E four leaving the army, right? Sure. Or any branch of your choosing. Um, and the uh, military isn't think, I mean, essentially, the schools are figuring out ways to end run this by like creating composite commercial pilots license programs that lump your civilian qualification in with your commercial qualification, but only a few schools are doing it. It requires guys to relocate. And like frankly, the partial BAH that you get from the GI Bill isn't enough to live on by itself. Guys are going right. to have to go work as well. And part-time employment is barely enough to scrape by on, especially if you have a family. Sure. Uh, so like you ask a guy to go from a socialized program, like being in the military where he's making forty, forty-five, fifty thousand $50,000 a year 30% of which is tax-free because he's getting BAH and BAS. He's living on on-post housing. His, essentially, his health care and his housing are already subsidized. He's taken he, care of. He's living a very good standard of living. Like an E5 in any branch of the service can support a family. I mean, it might not be luxurious, but they're doing pretty well, right? Sure. Yeah. And then they're going to come off to the civilian side where it's like $700 a month in health care for their family. Um, and now I want to go to school to improve my position. And I'm only going to get, what, $900 a month in BAH. And then I have to hold down a job to support my family. Uh, maybe my wife has to go back to work. Now, how do I afford child care for my two kids? Sure. It's, it is not an easy transition. And I understand why people are like you know, in a hard place with it. Uh, It's essentially like coming off welfare. Right. Like, hey, man, you're going to have the same general work hours, but you're going to make 40% of what you made before and go.
2: And start over at the bottom, too. Yeah. 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 And so your point of contention is that let's, let's clear that out. Like, it's not that the GI Bill is a bad thing, but there's a lot of limitations to it. That well, are I think that there are
0: better ways. So the money from the GI Bill is getting spent no matter what. Right. And you see right. like people who are capable and in u- in using the GI Bill, I mean, guys go to some really fucking expensive schools. I know a lot of SF guys that have gotten degrees from NYU and Columbia sure. Uh, Harvard, Jesus, you know what I mean? Like guys, guys get into great programs and the GI bill pays for the tuition, which is 10 X more than Joe Snuffy going to community college to learn how to be a welder. Sure. But the reality is that the guy who's getting a degree from the community college is using the exact same resources that a guy's using to go to Columbia. Right. Um, and the difference is obviously the club you're joining when you graduate (laughs) you know, like, Hey, if I go to Harvard, I got a lot better connections than if I go to like, you know, Montgomery County Community College down the road and, uh, and I want to be a commercial welder.
1: Well, what's your point?
0: My point is that that money would be much better allocated, those resources. Like, as guys are transitioning out, they should be finding trade schools that, that the government has encouraged to utilize, like, to take the GI Bill. So it's not an in run by the school, but it's, it's a, a proper allocation of the GI Bill to a more beneficial yeah. end, right? But we don't do that. You leave it on the soldier to find that.
1: Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, there, there are programs in the military, but it's, you know, they're all cobbled together and it's hard to figure out which way from point A to point B and it's difficult, man. Well,
0: and I mean, as you're transitioning out, like your focus isn't necessarily on your next career. You're still having to go into work or you know, you're still you're a capping or whatever you're doing. Like the idea that like, it's funny because in soft when you announce that you're getting out, you basically get a year. <laughs> like you're like, oh, you're getting out. Well, take this year and start your A.C.A.P. meetings now. And you're yeah. like, well, what else do I do? Nothing. Don't come into work. You're like, yeah. uh, so like you get a paid year to like go to some classes and show up occasionally for medical appointments and then you get out.
1: I had a diff- different experience. <laughs>
0: yeah, I had
1: way different experience,
0: but I, I see a lot of that. I mean, maybe from the schoolhouse when guys are getting out, I see that like at swick. but I definitely I was group? definitely working till the end. Were you? Yeah. Nah, man. Yeah, I no,
2: they put me in a completely different platoon. They're like, here's all the scumbags that are getting out. You know, these fucking worthless pieces of shit. And uh, yeah, yeah like I sen- you're treated like a pariah. And then we got sent to like a TAPS class. where We learned how to like tie a tie and make sure that we, you know, <laughs> sit up straight during an interview. But you don't, and- you
1: don't, if you're not getting out, if you're getting out before your retirement, you don't get like, you get a little bit of terminal leave if you were, if you had that saved up, but you don't get like a six month runoff. Or severance or anything? Is it only like
0: retirees that get that? Get what? The six month runoff?
1: No, yeah, only retirees. You don't yeah. get that shit. So you get your terminal leave, and then then you're out. Yeah, yeah. everyone I know at twenty
0: years basically just took their last year and a half and disappeared. <laughs> they were like, "Uh, I'll, I'll pop in once a month and just make sure you guys are okay." Can't fire me yet, motherfuckers. Yep. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Send me home? I mean, yes, in a year and a half. The administrative process to remove you is too long. And but difficult. yeah, I think I think your point is, is like if somebody
1: that's taking the that plans on taking the GI Bill and is getting out of the military, it's like extremely difficult to like make that transition just financially. Well,
0: and thinking about like hey man, so say you get out of the military and you want to go to college and you want to do better for yourself. Let's just assume that a four year degree is a good investment. And so you go to all of the effort to get accepted at a, at a four-year university or have a plan for a community college transition, whatever that's a lot of effort getting into that, getting registered for that while you're working um, and then also thinking about like interviewing simultaneously like, well, I'm going to be leaving the military at this date. I can start at this date. Let me start conducting what 2030 interviews where it's like a three to six month callback time on a job. <laughs> that's crazy, right? And you're broken. No, yeah. yeah. And you're not working right? Like, and it's not like, yeah. it's not like I can be a cam girl. Like I, I'm like, nobody, <laughs> nobody, only a not very try Yeah. Only a very few people want to buy my used underwear right? Not enough to pay the rent. That is a non-zero number. Yeah.
2: So there's there's a financial (laughs) aspect to it. There's a, there's a practical aspect to it. And I think that there's a mental health aspect to it. Like you get out and you're on somebody else's turf, speaking somebody else's language. You're having like, Doug, you probably know this too, man. Like one of the big things, uh, one of the big factors in success is creating relationships with people. And so you're getting out and you're having to talk, uh, speak a completely different language and go to these completely different places to talk to people you don't know who you might not have anything in common with. That's fucking intimidating for a 20-year-old kid.
0: Like, I am really good at that. And it still doesn't result in success. You know what I mean? It's like Babe Ruth batted 300. I mean, that was a great year. Man, look at this guy. 350, 300 is 35% success rate. And the idea of looking for, I mean, guy, guys would be okay with the 10% success rate, but the 90% failures crushes people,
2: right? Yes. Yes. Well, yes, and absolutely. And I think that, that, that yeah, that, that causes resentment a lot of times. I think you got guys get out and they're like, fuck these guys. Fuck people. Um, I know I did.
1: Well, and like you said, it, like, it, it's so uncomfortable to be speaking the wrong language, right? Like, yeah. You know, especially if you got in early into the military, you went through an indoctrination program, basic training, that like taught you to speak the right language, taught you to walk the right way, taught you how to behave in that environment, and then you spent maybe a decade, maybe five years, maybe three years like doing nothing but living that life, and then you get out and, like, shit, like I don't speak the right language to integrate with these people, and mm-hmm. a lot of people's defense mechanism, which I think is really at the core of that BroVec culture, is that... Well, they're not right. They're not I'm not wrong. They're the ones that are fucking wrong.
2: Exactly. And they exactly. Should, they and it it comes be, off as confrontational, right?
1: Yeah, and they should be It doesn't come off as. Because, it, it I'm, a, because I'm it is confrontational. <laughs> yeah. All, right. And All right. Because yeah. I'm the Granted. hero. I'm the one that fought for your freedom. You're the one that should should mold modify your behaviors to suit me rather than me assimilating back into the real world. This is the it, same
0: exactly. pushback we see between political parties like the schism in America where it's like I'm not wrong. You're wrong. And you're like, hey, man, like there used to be a happy middle ground where we could be like, I don't agree with you, but but we're both both still on the same team and we have to work together, right? Like, hey, man, like I can't just I cannot just say I'm never talking to you again. Go fuck yourself to a person that I work next to. I have to see them every day. And if we disagree on things, we have to figure out how to function together. Sure. Well, and, and that's I, I think
2: that, uh, that too is, I think uh, uh, opinions nowadays, I think this just just in the milieu of, of the United States in general, is opinions nowadays are tied to your moral well-being and like who you are as a person. So when I say, Doug, I think you're wrong, you don't take it as, oh, he's telling me I'm wrong and I need to reevaluate a few things. He's telling me I'm a fucking terrible person, I'm a fucking moron, and I should just go off myself. Well,
1: like empathy people take,
2: it's like moral injury to being told that they are wrong or they're I just had a discussion on Instagram with a with a veteran owned company who's selling a product to uh, treat PTSD and and TBI, and it may or may not work. But when we uh, brought up the statistics, empirically derived statistics to this, the guy said, "I don't give a fuck about statistics. My, you know, I've I've lost seven friends to suicide, and this that, and the other. That's awful. That's terrible. I've been there, man. I get it. But we need to start looking at the at the other end of things, and not just."
0: Well, appealing this, to
2: emotion and using anecdotes to try and sell snake oil.
0: Which, yeah, the plural of anecdote isn't
1: data. Right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah. we so and I guess the suicide thing you bring up brings up a really good point. Because we've talked on about the, the total bullshit of the 22 vet yeah. suicide number. And And you know what? Like, I just don't want to talk about it anymore. Right, like we talk about this whole awareness thing for for suicide and stuff, and it, it's the same thing with uh, the the brovet culture. Where I'm like, hey man, you know what? Do you, for a long time, I used to think that you could shame people into better behavior, but I'm not sure that's true. I mm-hmm. think that the only thing that people really understand is being ignored. You know what I mean? Like, hey man, if you can't function like an adult in pop in in polite society, then you're just gonna get ignored, right? And, sure. like, with the, the suicide thing, like, shouting from the rooftops that it's normal for 22 people to kill themselves a day is only making people think that killing themselves is, a, okay. is a viable solution. Sure.
2: No, I, yeah, you're completely right, man. It's become this, this self-fulfilling prophecy. And this is something I said on another podcast the other night is that um, Ooh, look we're at upsetting on apple Card? A there, are, there's, a, there's a contingent of the veteran community that makes money off the 22 a day narrative man they're like and so when we go out and we say mm, that's not entirely accurate maybe we should start they get very defensive things.
0: because it's their yeah. it is their bread and butter
2: It's how they feed their fucking kids yeah yep. exactly and I, I think that that's a problem and those voices too are also a lot louder than ours
0: oh um, um, man i don't know i think i don't know if they are i think so what i find by being part of an e-commerce business <laughs> is you find yourself <laughs> in the echo chamber you choose right because we get a lot of our news and a lot of our social interaction from the internet these days <laughs> rather than dealing with people face to face. And the internet's smart. Like, I, I mean, like, we could sit here, half the things that we'll talk about on a podcast, I'm going to get ads for the next day. You know, yeah. like, I mean, it knows, like, they know who you're talking to, they know where you're spending a lot of your time. And so, like, this idea that, like, oh, well, those people's voices are really loud, their voices are really loud for you on Facebook because Facebook thinks that that's what you want to see. Yeah,
2: right. I I meant more along the lines, Doug, of um, following, you know, me and Jericho were talking about somebody the other day about uh, he's got he's got a massive fucking following. He's like King Brovet and he's got a massive fucking following. And right now, I think one of the the big things with with what I'm trying to do is like, I don't need to be louder than that guy, but I need to be as loud as that guy. Yeah. Uh, Somebody other people like if they want to go to go to him and, and see his bullshit, that is fine. But I at least want to be standing right next to him and so that people have another option. You know?
0: I I don't know now, man. I you know, I used to hate when people would be like, exist above. <laughs> you know, like shut up. Get your hands dirty, get in a fight. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I but the more time that passes, the more I realize like we waste a lot of positive energy by wallowing or, or by providing counterpoints to people that just don't need to be considered. You know what I mean? Like I think the biggest problem with the suicides in the vet community is is in the numbers and it's that you know the suicides exist and people who are 60 years old like like 55 and above is where the suicides start to happen. It's when relationships Mm -hmm. fall apart when marriages are gone and kids have moved out of the house and you're alone and Mm -hmm. and you have access to guns and training in them and like man the idea of not going on is more attractive than starting over again with relationships. And I think that a lot of the lack of fraternal organizations, I, I think that we didn't see this previously because a lot of guys were like at the Mate VFW television. or yeah. uh, the American Legion or they were doing things where they well,
1: were. People didn't consider themselves professional soldiers with the exception of a very small group of people. You know, people went to World War II, got home and fucking stop being in the military. People went to Vietnam. They fought that war. They came home. They stopped being in the military. No, a few small contingent cadre type people continued on, but you know, like the, there's an enormous amount of people in this country now that that's their whole identity. Like we've discussed. The, like, well, the military they, industrial they,
0: complex has certainly they grown. They feel
1: like they're a professional soldier first for their whole life. Sure.
0: And they, and they, and are. I think, I mean, to in your a lot point, of ways. Doug,
2: about like, why does there need to be a counterpoint? I, I, I get it. I do. Like, um,
0: but I don't what happens I, maybe when that, when maybe that not point a counterpoint. But it should be positive. It should be a positive message, right? Like sure. rather than rather than attacking the people with a negative voice, we should be speaking positively to the people that, that are looking for a community.
1: Yeah, like d- sure. the difference between identifying the problem and identifying a solution,
2: kind of. Thing. Sure, and and I agree with that. And that's, let me let me preface this: yeah. we're not going to intentionally go after certain people. We're going after bad ideas and misinformation and toxic stereotypes, and because that's ultimately the problem. Like like I said, with, with bro vets, it's not necessarily the bro vets that are the problem. It's the perpetuation of negative stereotypes and, yeah. and a, a shitty mindset and just being a, just a douchebag in general. Um, my point is that sometimes there needs to be a counterpoint when that point is harmful to a community that we're part of um, or, or can be harmful to a community of. Yeah. That I mean, what is
0: the, what is the alternative, right? Like, I mean, we as individuals, I think that we've all gone through the self-work phase right where like hey man, I looked it something bad happened in my life <laughs> unrelated to the military that made me look in the mirror and not like what I saw and like I'm sure I'm many people still consider me a douchebag, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like we talked about but like I don't look in the mirror and not like what I see now. I'm happy with who I am because like I've actively engaged in unpleasant self-work identifying right. things that hurt other people in my life and addressing those issues and trying to trying to minimize them, right? I don't think that a lot of people in our community see self-work as beneficial necessarily. Like we battle uphill on the meditation and, uh, and telling people, hey man, counseling isn't weak. Like you need to be able to talk to people about your problems. So like you should take the time to sit down with someone who's skilled in conversation and have a dialogue with them about what is what is unpleasant in your life, right. and, and guys are like, man, fuck that, I'm not weak, and you're like, no, man, like we're all weak, we're all human beings, yeah. we have been strong during portions of our life where we need to be strong, but you cannot be an island forever.
1: But I think that what his to his point is like he you got you guys are trying to be the guy that says no fuck that this is what you need to be doing like like there's there's. And that's
2: that's awfully normative. I don't I don't want to say that because again, at the end of the day, I'm just you know we're just one outlet amongst uh, you know, thousands.
0: Yeah, and you're a lar- you're um, a lab one, bro. I mean, you trying to, to you trying to be
2: that, 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 that's would what we're trying to be. Like I, I w- that's the thing too is like my staff and I we all grew up on the hard the, the hardcore punk scene, so we're very much used to looking at the the institution and the status quo and being like, hmm, something's not right there. Maybe we should start fucking talking against it. Maybe yeah. we should find out what's wrong with it. And and point it out to everybody else so that we can start to fix
1: it. Sure. Well, and also be the be like be the positive version of whatever the negative thing that you're trying to be. Sure. Right? If sure. guys if guys are having trouble, if it's easier for a guy to say like, man, I'm scared and the world is confusing and scary to me, it's easier for me to like join this group of guys that are like, no man, you're a freaking hero. Here's a bottle of whiskey. Like we're gonna t- <laughs> we're gonna talk about like how awesome we used to be, and we're gonna like told these other people to fuck off. And by the way, here's a t-shirt to buy Um, (laughs) rather than like, Hey man, yeah, we get it. It's scary and hard. And we're a community of people that understand that. And we want to help you like make the transition. And it's easier for you to make that transition when you've got people on your side that are like empathetic. I'm going to use a
0: really trite analogy there, but like growing up in an evangelical uh, community (laughs) where like Christianity was a big thing. Every uh-huh. church camp I ever went to, you'd get up, they'd, they'd take somebody from the group and they'd make them stand on a chair and they'd be like, pull somebody up. And you're like, you can't because you're a weak kid at a church camp. <laughs> but <laughs> guess what? Whoever who hand you grabbed could pull you off the chair, right? And it's a lot easier to pull somebody down than it yes. is to lift somebody up. And yes. most of the people in power in our communities are, aren't really focused on lifting other people up and empowering them. They are mm-hmm. concerned about their bottom line and making themselves better. And so like this idea of helping other people, it's hard, man. It's it is.
2: It is. It's very hard. It's, yeah, like you said, it's a, and this is something I published years ago where I said it's a lot easier to be a fucking anchor than it is to be a balloon. Yeah. And, uh, no, I, I completely just, I, I completely agree there. But my thing is like, it's, it's, we're trying to do all of this. Like it, it's, I, and it might be a lofty goal. It might be something that is going to fall flat on its face, but I very much, I'm trying to be as honest as possible. I'm trying to let people know like, Hey man, I have fucked up my life repeatedly. I've lived in my truck. I've, you know, I just showed you uh, on Instagram, like I just lost 30 pounds cause I'd let myself fucking go um
0: i remember i was like dying i was like look at you bro getting oh dude in.
2: yeah it was it was fucking bad and i spent all last year recovering from an injury with soft and then today you know this year getting sexy and then i'm also <laughs> getting ready to start law school in the next few weeks like i'm trying to show and i'm not saying that my way is the right way or the only way but i'm trying to show like hey look like i'm fucked up i came from a fucking shitty place I'm a white trash nobody, and I'm I'm making it
0: happen, dude. Like the rubber, I, the rubber it, ball, bro, it bounces back, right? Yeah, like yeah. Just if I can do
2: it, anybody can fucking do it.
0: We just had a guy on the podcast before you, because uh, we did back to back today, <laughs> um, and the guy. I mean, I have no idea what his net worth is, but I am assuming it is eight or nine figures. And mm-hmm. he told us straight up. I mean, this guy has he's a silver medalist in the Olympics, right? Like he won a silver medal in in. Uh, in Seoul, Korea, in 1988 as a member of a four-man rowing crew. And uh, he's like, dude, nothing that I've ever done has been a straight line. Like, it's peaks and valleys. Everything. Like, our sure. lives are peaks and valleys. And just because you're in a valley doesn't mean that there's not another ridge line that you're climbing right in front of you. But, like, I think a lot of people, they get into the valley, and instead of going up the other ridgeline, they take a hard right, and they just hang out in the valley forever. Well, they just
1: set up pooch camp, man. Yeah. It's, they're like, hey, right fucking... I've earned the right to be here in this valley and I'm just going to yeah, pop up my tent.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think that there again, I, I said this in a fucking really shitty video that I did on Instagram like I think there's a bunch of veterans that think like, man, I did my time. I did my fucking hardships. Like I should, yep. it should be smooth sailing for me from now on. I served my country. I'm a fucking hero.
0: But what have you I done for me lately?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's always my fucking point. Yeah, I mean, um,
1: life is hard, man. It's like a marriage, dude. Like if you, if you're not working on it, it's gonna fucking fall apart. You know, yeah, nothing's easy. I'm aware. Yeah,
2: I am. <laughs> I'm aware.
0: Are you in the I, middle, um, Are you in the middle of a divorce right now?
2: I'm working on it. <laughs> it's hard, yeah, right? I'm, and I think that I'm that's another
0: prime example, right? Where like because I and don't take this 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 doesn't need to be personal towards you, but it is a good sure. talking point in sure. that like relationships are always work no matter how deteriorated the relationship is like you can tell yourself like i'm going to take the lessons i learned from this relationship and take them into the next relationship because the next one's easier right like i won't make the same mistakes next time but unless you look backwards into yourself and go hey man how did i contribute to this negative relationship the next relationship is going to be the exact same thing which is oh, yeah. why you have soft guys that have like been married five times. And they're like, I don't know what's wrong with these chicks. I disappeared 300 yeah. days a year and they just don't hang around. And you're like, yeah, it could be, Everybody the wants to days be an
2: operator until they fucking come home and fall apart. Yeah. And punch Holes well, in walls and walls. Like
0: what's that
1: old, that old, old truism. It's like, if you wake up in the morning and you meet an asshole, you met an asshole. But if you meet nothing but assholes all day, it's you. You're, the, the, you're asshole. the asshole. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> uncommon <laughs> denominator, and that requires something that I think a lot of people struggle with is self awareness, man. I think it's hard to like. I know Doug, you've been kind of harping on this the uh, entire time we've been talking. It's it's hard to look at yourself critically and be like, hmm, that's fucked up. It's a lot easier to point fingers everywhere else and be like, nope, everything else is fucked up.
0: Dude, I spent a Everybody. lot of my a lot of my youth that way. My dad would always harp on me, man. You know, like, well, you know, you should look at your contr- contribution to these problems, and like, I mean, I was a. I was a real piece of shit (laughs) as as, I mean a teenager, you know, into my early twenties, like every problem that I encountered in my life was somebody else, you know, well, like, I mean, I did, I was right. I didn't do that bad of a thing, but it was like a common thread of selfishness in my behavior that like perpetuated bad relationships. You know, I mean, nobody likes to feel like they're only there to service you. You know, I mean, uh, the, the, I think that the, like the, I've written a blog about it, but I mean, I think that the real kind of like, um, aha moment for me was going to work in the oil field with a bunch of salty old dudes who didn't give a fuck about me. Like, I mean, they were great, great guys and willing to teach a lot, but like, They didn't have time for my excuses. Like if I did something wrong, like they were assholes in the way they addressed the issue. And they were like, Hey, you need to unfuck yourself and fix your shit. And you're like, Hey man, like uh, I could say that you're a dick and you need to be more understanding about the fact that I just got in this job and I don't know what I'm fucking doing, or I can fix it and not have this problem. But if you fuck up three times in a row, you're going to find yourself without a job looking for another job and the dude that you're going to interview with knows your last boss. And he's like, Hey, you gave that guy a hard time. You're going to give me a hard time too. If I, if you do, I'm going to whip your ass. And you're like, uh, no, sir, I'm going to do what you asked me to do (laughs) You know, because I don't want to get my ass whipped. (laughs) Right. And like that really, like, I think it was, it was a wake up call to me because a lot of people are like, well, you know, it's hard work and like hard work is the justification for everything. And I'm like, no, man, I mean, the purpose of hard work is to work yourself into a situation where like you're not working that hard forever. Like none of us can maintain that level of output into our sixties. Like we eh, there, there's this like Eastern culture is very big on respecting elderly people. And like, you know, as you get older, (laughs) you have garnered wisdom and like your role as a patriarch or or an elderly person in the community isn't to work anymore. It's to impart your wisdom on younger generations of people. And we don't necessarily always see that. We, we feel like our identity is in the work forever, but that is always going to set you up for failure because you just can't work like that until you die. Right.
2: No, yeah, and you're absolutely right, man. Um, I mean, the
0: military being, you know, a, a, a merit-based organization for the most part ostensibly yeah ostensibly people yeah
2: it, 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 it's hard too when you get out and you you are trying to transition to this new culture and whatever job you have or whatever occupation you choose to go into it's not a merit based system a lot of the times a lot of times it's who you know it's who who's, whose hand you shook last week it's who's you know whose dick you're sucking and it, it, it's hard it's hard to be in that fucking system when you're like you know where I've been you know what I've done it um, doesn't matter it,
0: but it does it matter, matter how good you suck dick still
2: well, yeah, I mean, that's a skill that, that's a perishable skill that nobody should have let perish.
0: Yeah, you have to f- refresh your ability to suck dick yeah, on a regular basis. It,
2: exactly. That's why God made truck stops. Um, <laughs> and
0: amongst other things. <laughs> you fucking yeah. hot lizards.
2: Yeah. No, man, I, I think that, um, so I, we we harp a lot on like PTSD and TBI in the veteran community, like uh, as these, these factors that contribute to the issues that we face every day with transition. And I, it wasn't, it took me in 2014, I was getting off a contract and the contract was ending and I was working with some, I was working with some amazing dudes, like guys who had been doing the damn thing since I was in diapers and guys who had been in the global war on terror since the beginning. You know, I had guys on my team who were, you know, part of the, Hamid Karzai's protective detail. And then prior to that was on, was one of the green berets that like, led him through the fucking whole thing as Commander Karzai.
0: That old DynaCorp Corp fucking hustle.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and the guy, <laughs> you know, I had a guy who was a, a, a ranger in the, in, in the Mogadishu thing. And like, I had guys who had this breadth of experience and we got told the job was over, right? And I saw these guys who were like professional tough guys fucking bawling, just crying because they were losing the one thing that they had been doing for the last... 20 years, 15, 20 years. Now
0: you have to go home and address all the things that you've just like have been avoiding. Oh yeah. For forever.
2: Oh yeah. So I wrote when the music stops and it kind of made me think like, man, it can't be just PTSD. It can't just be TBI. There's gotta be another reason why we see so many veterans struggling. And I'm not talking about suicide, but just struggling in general. And I think a lot of it is, and that's how I originally coined that, like, it's this, this sudden loss of purpose. It's a, suddenly you don't have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Suddenly you don't have a, a reason to stay in shape. You don't have a reason to shoot well. You don't have a reason to, um, you don't have something that you, you are looking forward to. Like, uh, m- my entire time, I was getting off deployment, getting ready for the next deployment. Um and that's gone away and we see that kind of stuff with, with people who retire. We see it with professional athletes when they, when they, when they stop being a professional athlete. Um, this, this lack of purpose. and it's not like in the military you can just like you can with a professional athlete, you can become like a commentator or something um, or a coach or whatever. Like you get out in, of the military after X amount of years and you're done. You're done. You can get on all the fucking forums and, uh, you know, M4.com and all this other shit or AR 15.com and all this other shit mm, and talk about the good gone. old days all you want and go to the am vets all you want. But at the end of the day, like you are not, that does not, you are not getting out of bed to go shoot bad guys or do whatever it is that you're going to do.
1: Well, and and beyond that, like there's an illusion of self direction or at least the, uh, there's an illusion of self starting that a lot of mil- a lot of veterans have like when they were in the military, they were considered self-starters because they did all of the specified and implied tasks without having to be told, right? Like, they were good soldiers, so they did the work they needed to do, even if they're at a fob, like, off by themselves. Like, they were... The, the first sergeant or whatever, and they were taking care of the guys and making sure everything got done. But at the end of the day, they had a mission that had been given to them by somebody. You know, Regardless of whether they thought the mission was valid or not, they had a mission, and all the little sm- subtasks that were a part of that mission, they were very good at doing without anyone telling them to do, but they still needed someone to tell them that mission. Right. When they get out of the military, there ain't nobody telling you what the mission is. There's no one, so you're like, man. Well, you know, I used to do do this and do that, and you have this. They feel that they're a self starter. They feel that a the sort of person they could come up with, but they never actually learn how to self start. They just learn how to follow direction, even yeah, without being told. Without being told,
2: how be autopilot essentially. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so, like, man, it's like, what, what, the, the what do you want to be? What you grow up? Question is a fucking hard one to a- answer for yourself if you were never.
2: No, and I, I think you made an excellent point earlier, and it's a point that I've been trying to kind of, kind of articulate for a long time is yeah the the military gives you a specific set of tasks. This this is what you're good at. This is what you're here for. This is what you do. And then you get out and you're supposed to completely disregard that and find something else. And that's hard, man. And that's, I I try and encourage guys, regardless of what you want to do, start something. Like I, I, I was a firefighter and a paramedic for a long time and you know, it was great while it was, but eventually it became something I wasn't happy with. Um, and, and to Doug's point about, you know, trades and, and community college, I think you're going to get a lot of guys that get out and they don't know what they want to do. And what I try to encourage guys to do is like just, just enroll in classes. Just enroll in classes because I think that a lot of guys will, their first or second semester in anything or their first and second year at something, whether it's a trade school, whether it's a, a community college, whether it's fucking Harvard, you're going to figure it out what it is you want to do and what you're good at and what you like.
0: Well, I mean, um, I think a lot of that is because those, because following that path exposes interests that you didn't know you had before. Exactly. Right? man. and like I think that one of the unifying themes I see in guys who aren't happy in general uh, military or otherwise is that they don't have a passion, right? Yes, I know that like in my life um, I have wandered greatly <laughs> through the years mm-hmm. and my dad has always been a, a really successful driven businessman and um that's taken him into a lot of like very affluent circles and um you know he's had me tag along with him and i think that the unifying i mean having money doesn't mean you have passion right right so like you run into a lot of people in our generation in general military or otherwise that just don't have passion um either they were given everything and so like nothing has value or uh they've just never found something that they enjoy doing that requires their focus. And yeah. I mean, there are people out there that are into that kind of stuff. They can find a job that dovetails with their interests, and and they can pursue that with passion. And there are people that like they're like, well, I don't like doing. I like doing this. I'm like, yeah, you liked doing that because you were good at it. You've never tried to be good at anything else because you don't like being not good at
2: it. Yeah, because so, it sucks but, being not good at something.
0: And and right? and just like you guys point out.
1: Developing a passion or at least developing a fucking hobby something like the million dollar question, right? If with unlimited funds What would you do with your time, man? If I gave you unlimited money? How would you spend your days? And most guys in the military have a trouble asking answering that question because the military more than just about any other thing I could think of other than like perhaps medical school and like medical residency Steals so much of your time away that you don't have time to develop any of that stuff, right? Like yeah. you're gone, you're deployed, you don't have time to freaking like become a woodworker or like a you know a metal shop guy or whatever. You know, paint little toy soldiers or something when you're out there. Like you just don't have the fucking time,
0: and it makes you one-dimensional and fucking boring. Yeah, and like you go, right. I mean, like you look look at conventional guys, man. Like I I can speak from personal experience towards conventional guys in a variety of ways, but like. Mm-hmm. The career track in the army uh, for 20 years, like you're going to get drill sergeant duty, right? You're, right? you're going to get recruiter duty, one, one or the other or both. And like when you see a guy step out of a role he's comfortable in, in his main career, like whatever his MOS or like his duty specific position is into drill sergeant work or recruiter work, both of those are onerous tasks um as a drill sergeant you can say hey i'm i'm shaping future soldiers and like i get enjoyment out of that but it is still like a 60 70 80 hour a week job because you have to be there in session and you don't spend time with your family you're not it's it's supposed to be this downtime like it's professional development and you're going to get time with your family but because you're so used to working full time at your other job you pour yourself into this thing that you don't particularly like that's not developing you in like your individual task or you're not... And you certainly aren't getting enough time for a hobby. So when you work 60 hours a week on recruiter duty and you come home at the end of the day and you're just tired, you're not spending quality time with your family or your kids. You're like, I just want to sit on the couch and like watch TV or play video games. And your spouse or your partner or whatever is like, man, I... I married this person or I'm spending time with this person because I enjoyed who they were. Like they seemed like they had a sense of adventure, but that sense of adventure doesn't translate over into our personal life. Like we don't do anything together. We literally right. sit on the couch and ignore each other yeah. while this person re- recuperates from a, an intensive stressful hourly job they don't like.
1: Well, and think about how strong the thirst for those passions is Due to the fact that so many people get out of the military and they're now passionate about the two things that they were allowed to do that maybe dovetailed into what you could call a hobby, which is firearms and fitness, right? Like so many guys I see get out of the military. It's like I'm going to open a CrossFit gym. That's what I'm passionate about because that's like literally the only thing the military gave them time to be passionate about or I'm going to be a cop or I'm going to go like be a firearms instructor or something. Cause like they wanted to be passionate about something, but like the military is like, well, here's the things you got boys. Yeah. We're going to give you time for that. Nothing <laughs> yeah. else.
2: Oh yeah. That's something we say all the time. Like you see guys get out and they're pigeonholed into either becoming a cop or a CrossFit gym, uh, owner or, you know, yeah. Firearms or contractor is usually what I, yeah. I say. You know, you guys got, you got guys that are like, Oh man, I'm gonna make that six figures as a contractor. Eh,
1: it doesn't work like that anymore. So um, tell us more about your organization, man.
2: Oh yeah. Like um, I, it came about, I had written for OEF nation for about four years off and on. And um, it kind of gave me a bird's eye view of the veteran community in general. Like I, I, I went there as a bro vet. I went there kind of stuck set in my ways. and It wasn't until I had people telling me like, no, you're fucking wrong. Like I try to, I try to listen to people when they tell me shit and you know, they told me I'm fucking wrong. And I started to kind of notice patterns of behavior within the community Um, But anyways, I had had left that publication. I became the editor-in-chief for Recon Sniper Foundation uh, for a little bit, which was good, but um, just uh, the the time commitment stuff wasn't something I was able to fulfill because I am in school and I'm getting ready to start law school and I'm going through some, some personal changes right now. And then uh, Bachelors & Company, which doesn't exist anymore, came to me and offered me a chance to write uh, for their blog. And I'm like, fuck yeah, it's going to be great. And you know, he's like, oh yeah, I want you to take this direction that you're talking about, which is what I'm doing now at C- Connect Syndicate. And then when when that when Bachelors & Company f- folded up, I was like, you know what, man? I grabbed a couple of my buddies and I'm like, we, we need to start holding people accountable. We need to start setting a positive example. We need to start trying to change the way veterans see society, the way society sees veterans, and the way veterans see themselves. And... and allowing veterans to transition into the civilian sector in a more meaningful way. Um, so that's what we're trying to do, man. We're doing that through blogs. We're eventually going to start doing outreach. Like we have, you know, I, I don't want to become a meme site and I don't want to become an apparel company. Yeah. Um, of what all the things that I want to do, those are the things that I don't want to fucking do.
1: What, what do you, what do you, what is your million dollar question? Like, what do you guys have in the future, man? If you had unlimited resources, what would you like to see you guys providing?
2: Oh man, I would definitely like to start doing like, I would like to see like meetups, you know what I mean? Like going and, and having these, these seminars and not even necessarily like brainwashing because it sounds like Tony Robbins, right? Where you go and you, you, you have some dickhead on stage telling you how you should be living your life. But I definitely want this, this exchange of ideas. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely want to show um, the, the positive things that can come out of, of transition because I don't think any of, any of us had an easy time getting out. Um, I definitely want to see an overhaul in the way the military transitions their veterans out. If that, even if that's just providing a language into things, even if that's just sitting people down and being like, hey, listen, like, yeah, here's how to write a resume, here's how to conduct an interview, and this is, but there's also going to be some hard shit you're going to have to deal with and and here's kind of some resources that you can go to to, to mitigate that you're going to you're going to feel lost you're going to feel alone but here's here's some resources that allow you to kind of navigate this new landscape that you're in instead of just being like see you later man have fun make sure your shoot opens
0: man um, and i know that like the military tries i mean they and, and they think of new <laughs> methods to say we're we're checking that block you know i mean sure what was the uh, what was the thing we just had to do that was so onerous to us? Um, I don't recall. Uh, it's I probably blocked it out. TAPS. <laughs> it, 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 it's 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 called TAPS. Uh, it's a, some acronym. I don't remember. It's a transition assistance program. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. something to like a week
2: of like going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you go and you dress in civilian clothes for a week and you listen to some <laughs> fucking retired first sergeant tell you how the civilian world is.
0: Yeah, which, exactly. They, which they don't
1: know because they're, they're still like... Because they're stuck. Exactly. He got, he got a job at TAPS because he couldn't hack it in the real world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <and I think laughs> or you it's get it's these our,
2: guys there, he's like, yeah, I was a first sergeant, I got out, and I became a, you know, I became a, a managing supervisor at some you know, defense firm somewhere doing something. You
1: oh, You're S- like, you
0: never went to the civilian world. You just like graze alongside of it. It's, it's SFL a lateral tap- move because it's it's soldier for life transition assistance program and like i mean like i was so i was so annoyed that we had to be there for this thing anyway right they're like oh well if you already have a job getting out um and you can prove it then you don't have to attend any of these briefings so i gave them my my softly business card my my (laughs) card i was like is this enough and she was like uh yeah and everybody in the room was like boo it's a, it's a business card. I'm like, yeah, man. You guys should just go to the print shop and get business cards get you, made. Yeah, get you,
1: <laughs> get you one made up. You know, I, I, I haven't heard anybody talk about it, but something I have envisioned is, you know, there's no place for veterans to go anymore. Like, the VFW still exists, obviously, but like the VFW is totally and utterly disconnected from the the g watt generation yeah and, and it's an echo chamber well yeah. and and there's no like it see, it seems like there's an en- enormous void for like a, an organization that has like actual physical facilities that's distributed across that would be like a place like hey we can talk and we're not an echo chamber for like i don't care what your rank was like leave that at the door but more of like a professional business like incubator type space rather than a let's go drink or so silly and talk sure. about that one. Time you you see took those hill. spaces
2: that you're talking about and they're always like weekend getaways where you're shooting fucking guns out of helicopters at pigs and not to say you guys as hog hunt isn't fucking rad just saying but like it's it's always these like you're going and sleeping in bunk beds with your boys and you're you get to play soldier for a weekend and you get to relive all these these glory days or you know, I was involved in some student veteran organizations when I was, during my undergrad, and it was all—it would always turn into a dick measuring contest. You sit down in a group with, with guys, and you're you're hoping to create these bonds and network, and it always turns into like, oh, where you been? What have you done? And it was, well, this this and that. Oh, fuck you! You know, that guy's a pogue. That guy's in the corner, you know, crying. He's a fucking pogue. Fuck that guy. Or the female that's in the room. Fuck her too. Um, it always turns into the same shit. Man, and yeah. I agree. Like, I think that there needs to be more productive veteran space, especially for our <clears throat> generation. Well, I think in
0: some ways, that in, uh, the
1: and problem with Scotland is, is it's full of Scots. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> in, in the and problem with veteran organizations is full of veterans. And I mean, yeah, I think
2: yeah I was just talking to a Buddy about that today. I was like, uh, I had that the argument on on Instagram with that business owner, and I just I texted him. I was like, I fucking hate the veteran community. Fuck them all. Um, and he's like, Dude, we are our own worst enemies. And, and he's just like, Yeah, we we make it so hard. F- to, lo- to love each other. we may. <laughs>
0: well, everyone know. has something to prove, and there's no yeah. venue in which to prove it. Right. And, like, we see that here at SoftWe. There have been a variety of guys who've wanted to work with us or come to work for us that have claimed that their resumes and in- incorporated a lot of experience that they simply didn't have. They build themselves as someone who they weren't. And, like, we now require people to submit two fourteens. <laughs> like, hey, you want to come work here and you're not in the military anymore? Um, send us a 214. And yeah. you know how many people decide that they don't want to work here when we they have to show us what they have, their sum total of their service actually is? Mm-hmm. And, like, what I respect is that we identify service as service, right?
2: I was going to ask, is there is there some kind of qualification that you're looking for within that service? Or you're just like, we want you to be open and honest about your service. We don't give a fuck what you did.
0: The latter. The latter.
2: Yeah, that's, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, if you free- think we place
2: a premium on the combat arms side of things, whether it's in the soft community or conventional side, I think we place a premium on that. And if, and my thing is, you know, when I was writing for another publication, all we cared about was the combat arms guys. If you were a sniper or you were a soft guy, that's all we gave a fuck about. I'm trying to show like I give a fuck about the like the 32-year-old guy who was a bulk fuel specialist who's trying to find his place in the world. I right. give a fuck about that guy too.
1: And it's hard for that guy because of the veteran community, because of the toxic nature of what we've been talking about. Yeah, he's told like,
2: constantly told that his opinions and his experiences are invalid. Exactly.
1: Shut up, Pogue.
0: It's like hard yeah. for him to have any self respect. I mean, you don't know, get it, me wrong, I yeah. love my boys and sure. I'm big in the soft community, and that is my community. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, these are my homeboys. That being said, I have always felt that like service is service, man. Like you like you joined you did this thing I uh, I think that like service has value that it shapes the direction that you go and that you should take the lessons you learned from serving and being in a large structure a large bureaucracy <laughs> and translate those those leadership skills into continuing to serve in a different capacity after you leave the military but we absolutely basically say well you you know you were a freaking yeah, dot 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 insert here uh, and you're right. not worthy of leading or being you know being in charge of anything and then therefore people think that they're not. So no,
2: that, yeah that's an absolute that's that's kind of the point that's one of the points we try to make with, with connect syndicate is like we want to unify everybody um, under under the banner of service not under a branch not under an occupation. Not under even really like the, the generation you served. I mean, we're, we're primarily Guat veterans, but I don't give a fuck if you served in Vietnam or World War II or whatever, but service is service, man. And that's probably, I think, one of the biggest lessons I've learned since I've gotten out is that it doesn't really fuck, because out here in, in the real world, nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares. Yep,
0: I agree with that. I I am super excited to see the direction you're taking this. I've been really glad to see your efforts taking shape uh, and in, inundating my uh, social media feed with like uh, a variety of thoughts.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm we're trying to get away from the 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 brovet memes because again, I don't want to become a meme page, and I definitely don't want to be known as that. Oh, that's that one page that just bashes brovets all day, right? Yes and no. Like, we want to be multifaceted. We want to be something better than that. We want to set a fucking example as to, you know, in, in the veteran community. We don't just want to be another fucking startup that wants to run their mouths. And that's it, also, too, like, we encourage dialogue. That's what one of the reasons I came on here. It's I love talking to people that may not agree with me. And I, you know, when we talk about challenging bad ideas, those aren't necessarily just things that I disagree with fundamentally. Those are bad ideas that are being perpetuated by people who think that just because they were a sergeant major or they were in the soft community, they're qualified to speak on, especially when it comes to mental health. Um, uh, the guy I got into an argument with today, he's like, oh, I have this soft experience and all my, you know, I have, I've lost seven brothers to suicide and blah, blah, blah. Right, but it doesn't mean your fucking product is a goddamn catch-all for everything. And yeah. if, when you say, I don't give a fuck about statistics that makes you look like a fucking idiot and you're better than that. We are better than that as a community. Like we need to start taking Johnny, a hard look
0: at ourselves. I can make statistics, say whatever I want them to say.
1: <laughs> well, I think we got right. to wrap it up, but I think that is the, the perfect uh, note to end this on, which is we're better than that as a community. We need yeah. to work and strive, yeah. hard. angry Johnny has
0: spoken.
2: Did uh, did Brent tell you that? Yeah. Yeah. Keith <laughs> so, wanted me to ask you uh, whether the carpet matches the drapes.
0: Uh, the bro, if I had any carpet, I my would, man. I'd wonder. But uh, I like to keep my, it smooth like a 12-year-old boy. My man. <laughs> hey, man, it was awesome talking to you with you, brother. Yeah, hey. thanks for
2: having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. I love what you guys do.
0: All right. Thanks a lot, brother.